Hi, you've called the Mojo Radio Show. We can't come to the phone right now because we're about to start the show. But please, wait for the tone and the boys will be with you shortly. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on me. Hey everybody and welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. If you're on the journey with us and you're a long-time listener... Thanks for coming back. Thanks for hitting the download button. If you're new to the journey, what do we do here in the show? Well, we talk to people we think are interesting. They've got stuff to share, like an insight, an opinion, tips, tools that you can use to bring mojo to your work life or into your home life, your spirit side, your creativity, your health, your wellness. And let's say good day to the guy who drives the whole show. He's the man behind the panel. He is my wingman for today. Robbo, welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, mate. Glad uh, I'm at the end of a short week, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, doing well. How's your Easter going so far, buddy? Being Easter Monday, did you get lots of eggs yesterday? Mate, I did. The kids had the, uh, the Easter egg hunt at the in-laws place, which was fun. And um, yeah, and Sophie... The, um, the 18-month-old came out with the most, believe it or not, but I think Nana was sneaking her a few <laughs> behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, did you uh, get into those primal, paleo, ancestral, wild, natural, organic, vegan, vegetarian eggs? No, I, I'm, I'm a bit more your Homer Simpson mmm chocolate. Mmm <laughs> chocolate, mmm Easter eggs, caramello. Yeah, mm. That's right, that's, that's more like me. <laughs> well, just before we um, uh, jump into today's show, because today's mm. show is a, a, a beautiful lady living an unconventional yeah. life, which I'm so pleased to have her on the show. Before we do that, just um, you know how last week we talked about Jared, um, who's one of the mm. young guys from your footy team, and he yep. lost his mum. Well, she lost her battle of cancer, and you told that amazing yep. story about Jared and, and having mm. true grit, which which touched a lot of our listeners. We had a lot of, lot of lovely feedback and love sent through the mm. the cyber world to us. But um, have you seen that story that's travelling this week by Dr. Mercola? It was mm. a, a blog, which I'll put a link to in our show notes. And by the way, folks, anything we talk about in the show, if we say it's uh, in the show notes, you just go to uh, themojoradioshow.com. Uh, go to the shows, click on it, and you'll see the heading of the episode number and the person we're talking to. And in there, you'll see any links and stuff that you need to hook through to these stories. Anyway, so have you seen the Dr. McCullough story called Why Medicine Won't Allow Cancer to be Cured? I think I briefly saw it, thanks to, um, to, to you, actually, thanks to the espresso. I think I saw something about that. Yeah. It's funny because this story resonated with me because I saw Chris Rock, uh, the... the brilliant comedian he did a story years ago um about his conspiracy theory he said you know you can't tell me that we can't cure cancer um when we can put a man on the moon put a machine on mars yeah, we can't cure this thing and he says a conspiracy theory led by big pharmacy that didn't want it to be cured because each month Someone who has cancer is fighting cancer need to spend three to eight thousand dollars on a month's supply of chemotherapy. So when you go through the numbers of facing cancer, there is this conspiracy theory saying that, you know what, medicine won't allow cancer to be cured because it would mean too much money being reduced in the coppers of the big guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. So 
This Dr. McCullough, who is considered an expert in his field, wrote this blog, which I'll put the link to, but some of the things that stood out for me that, I'm just raising it because, you know, with the, the Jared story of his mum sort of mm. led us in this little journey of cancer, but I, I thought this was really worth sharing, just if nothing else, to pique people's curiosity and, and help them take action, because if there is some conspiracy going on, we have to take responsibility for our own health. So here are the stats. In the early 1900s, one in 20 people developed cancer. Yeah. 40 years later, in the 40s, it's now one in 16. Wow. Fast forward 30 years mm. to 1970s, it was one in 10. Yeah. Today, it's one in three. So wow. when you're dropping the kids at school and you're in a small group of mums talking mm. at school drop-off, if there are 10 of you in a group, three of you are likely at this point, if, unless you take responsibility, are going to face cancer. These aren't made-up figures. These are actual figures. And mm. every day in Australia, 300 people get told the news they've got cancer. There is now a lot of evidence to support the fact that there's a lot we can do for ourselves mm. to make sure that we aren't a statistic. Mm. So I'm going to run through a couple story I will post in the show notes. It's worth people um, getting a hold of. We might even put onto our Facebook site so people can get access to Dr. Marcola's story. Mm. The first thing he suggests is food preparation. At least one third of your food should be raw, avoiding mm. frying or char broiling. Uh, instead, uh, infuse your foods with whole foods, like real foods. Mm. Uh, herbs, spices, and supplement your diet with lots of broccoli, cumin, and those sorts of things which are uh, anti-inflammatory based foods. Turmeric. Mm -hmm. So that's worth investigating, but I think the simple thing about point one is just if you look at your food, look at your plate, look at what's in your hand at lunchtime, one handful out of the three handfuls should be raw. The second thing is carbohydrates and sugar. It's now been proven uh, that cancer feeds off sugar and by reducing your carbohydrates and sugar and in particular processed foods that carry high levels of sugar and fructose and grain-based foods which have been modified should be eliminated from your diet. Instead put in uh, protein and healthy fats mm. and limit your proteins to one gram per kilogram of body weight is absolutely the max you should have because the theory is that protein that's not used as in burnt off during the day through exercise or your normal daily routines tends into triglycerides and they can end up being processed into sugar by the liver so mm. there's a lot of evidence behind that replace a lot of your meal with uh, high quality fats, which is proper organic eggs, high quality grass-fed meats, avocados, coconut oils, healthy nuts and so on. And a couple of other really quick ones to throw in. The simple thing is, um, is fish oils. So whether it be krill or normal um, fish oils, mm. at a really good um, health food store or even the supermarket if need be, and by taking high quality krill oils or fish oils, mm. you can increase your percentage of omega-3s versus omega-6s. The other one which is getting a lot of talk at the moment is probiotics. And you can find these um, in most health food stores, but it be kombucha or um, kefir. Uh, it's real honey with the proper um, flora. So mm. you're buying it from uh, an apiarist. 
yep. by getting real honey, not the stuff in the supermarket, the yep. stuff you buy from the side of the road from a guy who actually runs the, the bees himself. So fermented foods like sauerkraut and mm -hmm. those sorts of things are great yep. probiotics and prebiotics. Mm -hmm. So they're just some things to throw into your diet. I'm not going to elaborate too much, um, but put the notes in the show notes. But people should research this stuff because it has been shown to make a big difference to make your system more robust. Mm. And you know the best part too, crumpets with honey before bed. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly it all went pear shapes. My goodness, what have I got to do? <laughs> There's a dog that won't hunt. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> all right, well, uh, I think we should probably get into the show on that note, don't you? Let's go. The Mojo Radio Show. So... This week on the program, uh, as our special guest, Robbo, we have a lovely lady and uh, I feel as though I kind of know Nicola because I have been reading her blog and watching her videos for some time now and mm. the topics are quite eclectic from art to organic gardening to food to, I don't know, kind of finding your own personal spirit. It's, it's mm. quite an eclectic of human talk, but it's just, I don't know, it just makes you feel good. And based on the conversations we've been having of recent times about food and spirit and being healthy and getting your mojo working, um, I, I just thought that Nicola would be a wonderful guest to have onto the program. So mm. um, Nicola Newman, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Thank you very much, Gary. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so nice to chat to you because, um, as we were saying, we first got online this morning. I feel as though I've known you so well through your great range of videos on YouTube and the stuff you do with your blog and your website and stuff. So um, I've got to say, it really is, it's a delight to have you um, on the show. And just for, for people who aren't familiar with you and your work, which, which we're going to get into through the interview today, Nicola, just... Can you just fill people in on kind of the background to your world? And you've, you've talked about on your website having an, an unconventional life. Can you just fill us into kind of what you do and, and who you do it with? Absolutely. So, yeah, I love that term, an unconventional life. It sort of encapsulates the different arms of my uh, existence, which ranges from being a fine artist and a painter. So I've been working as a uh, professional artist for over a decade, exhibiting in galleries uh, from Melbourne up to Brisbane and in regional galleries as well. And then I had an issue with my health that sent me searching for a way to heal a number of years ago and found that I was very uh, sensitive to pesticides. And so I, that led me to becoming very interested in organic gardening and I now live on one and a half acres up on in the Sunshine Coast hinterland where I set about transforming my backyard into an organic veggie patch so I could eat organic food and kind of, now that I've healed, live, live the dream, I suppose. But it was a bit of hard work to get here, that's for sure. Nicola, I've actually got a, a bit of a veggie patch out the back, which I grow organically as well. It's, it's, it's not hard, is it? It's something that's quite simple to do. It's a lot easier than I expected. Um, with a little bit of knowledge and some chutzpah just to get out there and have a play, mm. you can grow heaps of food. Hey, it's great. Yeah, we've got some eggplants coming up and chilies and all sorts of stuff. Zucchini. So, yeah, it's great. Wonderful. 
Wonderful. Do you remember a time when you sat down and had that dream of what you wanted to create? I did. Um, I remember there was a time I actually did an exercise in a book and it said to envisage where you wanted to live and how you wanted to live and basically your ideal day. And it was in my mind's eye, I could see that I had a block of land and I had a, well, a much bigger house than what I've actually got, <laughs> but that's okay. And I had a little dam and, and funnily enough, life circumstances almost kind of pushed me into doing this, but yet I guess I was open to it and I was wanting it. So that also paved the way. But then painting and being an artist, that was also a very definite decision that, that I didn't want to go following kind of a conventional path of a career of nine to five and being an employee for someone else and kind of working for the man and working for money really never lit me up. So definitely living a creative life has been a very conscious choice. And when, when, you, when you're working and writing and um, doing exhibitions, what are you mostly looking to teach people? Like what's, what's the, the kind of the message that Nicola's passing on, do you reckon? Mm, I love that question. I guess for me, the things that I'm really passionate about are connecting with nature, getting outside and getting away, if you can, from some technology. Gets harder and harder <laughs> um, these days. <laughs> it does. It seems to follow you around these days, doesn't it? For me, I guess being outside has been very nourishing for my soul. And so I guess it really comes down to nature and expressing yourself as well. I really think it's important that people carve out some time in their day to tune into their heart and express themselves instead of just what we tend to do is consume everyone else's expressions via social media or, or the TV or whatever. I think that's beautiful. And you, you talk about living a creative life. If there's someone listening who is caught up in the social media, multitasking corporate world, and they've got this hunger, they've got this desire, they've got this dream of living a creative life, what what would you say to them and what would it be like for someone who did lead a, lead a creative life? I guess um, that breaks down into a few different steps, but I would suggest getting really interested in just one modality or trying a bunch of modalities. So whether it's taking photographs with your camera or it's learning all you can about a material such as oil paint and getting involved with actual materials or a process. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. It can be done after work, but maybe just turn off your favourite sitcom. <laughs> or maybe not your favourite, your second favourite sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moderation, yeah. <laughs> yeah, moderation. And, and spend half an hour or an hour investigating this new technique and kind of feed your soul, I guess. And then I think it naturally draws you on as you find the pleasure in it and and the enjoyment it creates a really positive feedback loop so you want to spend more time doing it and if you want to develop a career around it then there's definitely strategies to do that as well but I think to start by finding something that you're passionate about and that you can begin to master and having a crack at it having a crack at it <laughs> it doesn't have to be perfect it doesn't have to be right and you don't have to be the best at it um but it needs to feel like it makes you happy, yeah. I want to sort of drill into this um, a little bit because I've got a number of things I'm curious about in my own mind. Um, on your website, there are a number of beautiful comments from people that you've impacted. Let's call them testimonials or case studies where people have written you a beautiful note to thank you for 
inspiration or for showing them how to, how to feed their soul. Can you think of somebody that comes to mind who has taken this on and had a crack, fed their soul? What, what's, what's, it, what's it feel like for them? Like what, what do they get from it? How do they demonstrate the fact that they've fed their soul? Like what's, what's the change you've observed? Definitely. Well, I suppose my clients, so to speak, or two groups of clients, and so people who may have just gone out and had a go at growing some organic veggies and they might have thought that they had a black thumb, that they, they couldn't grow anything. But <laughs> they've decided to get out there and have a crack, as you say, and put some seedlings in the ground and all of a sudden they're producing food for their family and their kids are getting involved and their little ones are already all of a sudden picking tomatoes off a vine and eating them where they might really not have liked veggies before that. Um, That's nourishing their soul, I suppose, because they're they're feeling so, I think, in control of their life a bit more. (laughs) And being able to provide that for yourself and for your family, that definitely would feed their soul. And then on another level, when it comes to painting, so when clients might come to the studio with me and have a crack at painting, and some of them have never painted since they were in primary school. They didn't even do it, you know, as an elective at high school. And so they might feel really nervous coming along and they've got all these ideas in their head that, oh, I can't paint, I'm not an artist, it's nerve-wracking, I'm going to be painting with Nicola and she's an expert, she's a professional, what's it going to be like? (laughs) Um, And instead they turn up and I've got some music going and say, come on, let's just have a bit of a dance and you could use your fingers on the canvas to spread some paint around and now let's try this other colour if you want to. And all of a sudden they break down these stereotypes of ideas that they have in their mind of who they are and what they are capable of. And it opens up the world of feeling confident to try other things in their life as well because we all walk around thinking that we can and can't do certain things but we're so much more capable than we ever dreamed really it's just our minds that often are the problems that get in the way yeah it's funny isn't it how we put up barriers we um I, mm-hmm. I coached my son's rugby team and we had a, a coach's training session last night and um and and one of the first things that this guy that was coaching us the coaches said was you know every coach steps out onto the field with his under sixes and expects them to play like the waratahs <laughs> But it's true. It's so true. You, you first take up coaching and you, you walk out there and you think, well, why aren't my kids running like Israel Folau or, you know, packing into a scum like Ben Robinson? And it's like, because they're only under sixes. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. That's exactly right. Sometimes you just have to sort of not lower the bar, but you need to um, allow yourself to grow, don't you? Absolutely. And, and that's my point. It's just hop in and have a go no matter what your expectations, you know? Well, it's a bit like our show, Robbo. I mean, the, the, the Mojo <laughs> Radio show. I mean, talk about lower the bar. <laughs> We've, um, you know, we lowered it when we started the show, but we had a crack. Yeah, you know, that's and right. we were we were we were putting our thing. Well, you were putting your fingers into Tim Tams and stuff like that, and putting them on the console. But I mean, yeah. we really just uh, we've just taken the studio concept from Nicola into technology and just uh, lowered right. the bar and lowered the bar as low as we can. We're because then it's fun. easier to get over. We're having a crack. We're having fun. I mean, to talk to beautiful ladies like this. I mean, how good is this? Well, the, the further you lower the bar, the higher you can say you're going over it, right? Exactly. We're exceeding, we're so exceeding, we're exceeding expectations. <laughs> oh, I love it. Hey, um, have you always had this creative desire 
Nicola, can you remember back to a time when you were a kid when this all started? Uh, it wasn't necessarily that I didn't have it and then I did. What happened was I did have it and then I didn't have it and then I did. So mm. um, what I mean by that is I was always interested in making things when I was a little girl and um, I had a really beautiful nanny who would look after my brother and I because my parents travelled a lot and she and I were always having creative projects on the go, whether it was making coloured sand bottles or it was making puppets or it was putting together a book or doing tie-dyeing and all these different things. And I loved it, loved it, loved it. And it was just part of me and thankfully my Mum was happy enough to buy me art supplies and craft materials and things. But then when I was about 15, 16, my parents got divorced and it was a real shock to the system because by all accounts, it looked like they had had a perfect marriage and all of a sudden it turned out that they didn't and and they had a very public life and it all came crashing down quite spectacularly. And along with that, my confidence was really shaken and I started to, well, more than confidence, I was actually plummeting into depression, I suppose, and um, I lost my creative ability. So I'd go and try and do things and it would just turn out looking like someone from grade two had done it, like seriously really regressed, kind of almost overnight. Um, <laughs> so it was really shocking and, and quite disheartening and I just put art down for a few years and that was probably one of the most difficult times in my life was when I wasn't creating something. Um, and then I decided that I didn't want to live like that and I didn't want to go and finish school and um, go to university and get a normal corporate job. So I instead quit school before I was even finished grade 10 and I worked for a few years and then I went and did PACE where I did a diploma of visual arts and got to play with clay and photography and paint and all of a sudden just playing with those materials brought that creative spark back again. Based on what you've just said with your nanny, if you were giving a piece of advice to parents who are listening to this show, how do we raise princes and princesses of possibility? What would be your tip for a parent to think about for their kids? Hmm. I think... um, always encourage everything that they do. So they don't need your criticism. <laughs> um, <laughs> at that stage, they're little... They're, well, we're all little flowers that need to bloom, really, and, and criticism is just so harsh to take when you're offering up this new... Whatever it is, drawing, painting, anything. So just absolute enthusiasm and like, wow, you're amazing, sweetheart, look at that. And they'll naturally get better when they play more with the materials. So don't stress about the quality, that's my take on that. Yeah. And also make sure you supply them with ample and an abundance of materials so they feel a sense of possibility that, that I remember having a st- stack of computer paper and back in the day when computer paper was all joined up, you know, and it had the dots down the side. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and my brother gave me this box of computer paper and I seriously valued that box of computer paper and I moved it to house to house and was so thrilled to know that I had this abundance of materials that I could just keep working on and I still feel the same now. Like I've got an abundance of canvases in the studio and it makes me so happy because it takes the pressure off something being perfect. You can go and 
do a new one. <laughs> and the other really interesting thing when my brother and I were growing up was we actually did have the TV band for a full year. <laughs> wow. I, I remember that. Yeah, wow. A whole year. <laughs> um <laughs> That's the end of the world when you're 10. <laughs> you're talking sport as well? Like you're talking no rugby, no cycling, no... I'm talking about nothing. Absolutely no TV. Oh. Like it doesn't even have an antenna cord. Like nothing. <laughs> um, We're going to need coffee. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that people have to do that, obviously, but it was, no. it was definitely a really productive and creative time because there's so many other things that you can do in the world. Yeah. 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 It's interesting shaping rules around television though, isn't it? Because, you know, my kids know that there's no TV here until after dinner and then it's only an hour before you go to bed. Yeah. Um, And on weekends during the day, if the sun's shining, then you're not even in the house. You're in the garage is the most in the house that they're allowed. And, And it's amazing what creativity that creates, you know, the things that they find to do and the trouble they get into, but you know. I'd rather them get into trouble than sit on the couch and watch TV. <laughs> I think those are perfect boundaries. I really I love that. If the sun's shining, get out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's something really nice about that. Um, you made a comment in there, Nicola, which I thought was beautiful. You said something doesn't have to be perfect. And mm. it reminds me of a story that I heard, and I forget who said it now. Uh, and a guy went into a school and he went to a kindy class and he said to the children, how many artists do we have in the room? And every hand went up. So then he moved to a year three and said to the kids, how many artists do we have in the room? And half the hands went up. And then he went to year seven and said, how many artists do we have in the room? And two or three hands went up. And then if you go to any corporate environment and you say to any corporate crowd, no matter how many people you've got in the room, how many artists do we have, you would be lucky to get one or two hands put up because... My belief is that people think they're painting for everybody else mm. and that artwork has to compare. Like you said, when they walk in the studio, they have to compare with what Nicola's doing or has to be something other people like. <laughs> and if you take that from a kids to us on this call to people in the corporate environment right through to leadership, Steve Jobs, you know, when he was leading Apple, he said ultimately you've got to get to a point where you've got to ship something. Like it doesn't have to be completely perfect. He was... He was detailed to a T, but at the end of the day, something has to ship. And I just wish more people would put paintbrush in paint and just slap it and have a crack at it or build a little garden, dig a little hole, buy some pots, put a little plant in, you know, start a podcast, wherever it may be, but have a crack because um, that's kind of where you're going with this, isn't it? I think it's a beautiful saying, Nicola, you know, something doesn't, it doesn't have to be perfect. Oh, it definitely doesn't have to be perfect and it's, the enjoyment comes from the process of doing it. I think as long as you're making work that is rewarding to you, then you're an artist, you know? And I think there's plenty of artists who get stuck making work for other people or they get scared about breaking out of the the box that they've created for themselves as well. So um, my motto is always make sure you come back to doing something that delights you and there will always be somebody else out there that loves what you're doing as well you always find somebody that loves it even if it's the most ugly thing ever people some people love ugly stuff like they love it, <laughs> it well, we have people who like up. that show yeah <laughs> and someone married me. <laughs> oh, God. Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's a fair call, my friend. There you go, exactly. Uh, uh, look, don't be too hard on yourself, my little flower. <laughs> 
Sorry, you're funny. Nicola, um, going through your blog posts and the beautiful photography you have on your website and so on, something that occurred to me this morning was the environment you have created around you. Could you give, for somebody who is really, you know, got a vibe on what we're talking about here and wants to start this journey to find their creative spirit and, and free their soul, what, what would you say is one tip to creating an environment that lights you up? Oh, oh, I love that. How can I limit it to one tip? Um, oh, take, take, a, take a couple. Take a couple. Feel free. Take a couple. Okay. Okay, first thing that I think of is um, I use a process you're probably familiar with that um, Julia Cameron talks about in the artist's way called yes, Morning yep. Pages. Yes. Uh, so I often, not every day, but often will start my day with Morning Pages, which I'll, so I'll write three pages of longhand kind of stream of conscious thoughts that I don't have to edit myself. Um, but I find that process really interesting because things come up on the page that that telltale signs to what my heart wants and what my soul needs. And they might be, you know what, I just need some more light in this room and it feels like it's dull and I'm sick of feeling heavy and I want it to feel more inspiring. And so therefore, maybe I could go down to Bunnings and I'll buy some turquoise paint and I'll paint the wall, you know, turquoise. Um, But I think if you don't take the time to kind of tune in to yourself, Mm. and that's Mm. really what Morning Pages is, is just a tool to tune in to yourself, um, that's where you'll find the guidance to start creating something that's authentic to you and that really actually speaks to your heart and isn't just something that you open up in a magazine and go, oh, that's that looks like what people aspire to and what I should aspire to and therefore I should create that. Mm. That's um that's beautiful. That's 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 <laughs> I think it's a cracker. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Very, very nice. Um can you think back in the last twelve months or eighteen months, something you've eliminated from your world that's had the biggest impact on on you? Oh, that's a great question. Um so you're asking about clearing space. Mm. Well actually for me in the last 12 or 18 months, it's been clearing clutter and finding places for things because my husband, Andrew, and I met and got married very quickly and we're you know, both mature people and so we both had households to combine and we ended up with twice as much stuff. And Andrew doesn't even have that much stuff, but just trying to find places for things has been a process and really by building um, a new studio, we've been able to put things in their place, and I've taken that kind of, almost you could say to an anal degree after living with clutter under the house and things, I've gotten interested in a label maker. (laughs) And I actually, a a label maker. And I use these labels to label um, clear clear boxes that hold all my art supplies and we set up Andrew's workshop so that you can find the screws, you can find the hammers, you can find the spanners. And they've all got labels and it all goes on their shelf with a label and so you can put it back and it's like changed our life. <laughs> you, you, need to, you need to talk to my wife because we've got one of those electronic dymos. And yeah, that's the one. Do you know what? I reckon she'd label me given half a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, a few of our listeners have already labelled you, buddy. Yes, I'm sure they have. Nick, <laughs> <laughs> um, before we uh, let you get back to your garden, just um, do you think we're losing touch of Mother Nature? Well, I think 
in some ways, it's very easy to lose contact with Mother Nature, particularly if you do live in a city. Um, I remember sitting on, I think it was Smith Street or something down in Melbourne and looking around and there was not a patch of grass or dirt anywhere in sight. And even the trees had to grow underneath the bitumen and the asphalt and they were trying to crack through the asphalt to, you know, the roots were disturbing the asphalt. And so I think definitely in that sense, if you're always surrounded in those environments, yes, <laughs> definitely losing touch with Mother Nature. Um, but the beautiful thing is in cities as well, there are parks and there are some really gorgeous uh, cultivated sort of gardens that you can go and visit. And that was my way of coping when I lived in Brisbane. I'd go to the botanical gardens or I'd ride along the river and I still um, grew things in pots. And so I think it's a, it's got to be on an individual basis and we can all take proactive sort of steps to reconnect with nature no matter where you live. Absolutely. So those people who are listening to this who believe they have a black thumb, what would be your <laughs> one piece of advice to somebody to start to change the colour of their thumb, whether they live in an apartment block, uh, in a city suburb, in a city or, um, you know, in, in, the, in the outer suburbs, what, what would be the one thing you would say to help them change that, that thumb colour? <laughs> uh, I'd say just arm yourself a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of knowledge around gardening goes a really long way. So um, make sure you invest in learning a bit more about your soil. So whether you can um, start a compost bin or you can just buy really top quality organic potting mix you want to invest in having a good basis to start from and then make sure you put your garden or your plants somewhere where they get plenty of sunshine and uh, keep them really close to your kitchen, ideally, where you'll see them, you'll remember to give them some water. <laughs> so, <laughs> or, or even better, set up an automatic irrigation system, which yeah. is what I do. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's me too. <laughs> um, Tell me, uh, what's the one crop, vegetable, fruit, herb that's indestructible, the easiest to grow that would be beneficial to my family and I? Uh, I think I would definitely start with herbs because you can pick them every day and you'll be enjoying mm. the health benefits and the flavour in your food. So um, at the moment we've just scattered some rocket seeds on top of the veggie patch and they've all come up within like two days you could yeah. see their little heads poking through and mm. they're pretty easy and they're actually not that tasty for um, pests either. They seem to, to leave rocket alone fairly mm. well. Um, and then some chives and I love, absolutely love sorrel as um, yeah. the basis of a lot of our salads because it's mm. got a really lemony flavour and it's just delicious and it fries. It's very easy mm. to grow. So. Hey, um, here's a question for you. I planted rhubarb in my garden about three years ago <laughs> and we've harvested it, but it keeps coming back. Every year, every <laughs> summer I get a new, without planting any more, I get a new bunch of rhubarb coming up. Is that normal or is that just my green thumb? <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> the steroids you're giving it, buddy. Yeah, that's right. It, it sounds like it's a, a perennial rhubarb. So I actually never grow rhubarb up here, but um, it sounds like it's meant to be doing it. So yeah. enjoy the harvest. Yeah. I love it. I love it, except no. I put some tomatoes in against it last year and it outgrew the tomatoes and the tomatoes died. But anyway, there you go. That's my no, I can, third world I can problem. Tell you, 
<laughs> Last night we went down the road and picked some apples off a wild apple tree in the side of the road mm. and went to the greenhouse and harvested our rhubarb. And I think it's the third or fourth time I've harvested it this season and nice. made rhubarb yep. and apple uh, Crumble. jam out of it. Oh, oh jam. E- yum. Yeah. 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 I had on, 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 on stuff this morning. It was beautiful. So, um, yeah. In my experience, which is limited to one greenhouse, yes, it does keep coming back. Okay, cool. Um, and I've got to say to the listeners, I I saw a video that Nicola did on sorrel, went out, bought some uh, heritage sorrel seeds, and I have harvested sorrel every week, I reckon, for the last year or so. And awesome. You're exactly wow. right. Thanks to you, it is the base of every salad I do. And there you go. even the point people come over and go, that's a really interesting green, what is that? So, mm. um... Well, <laughs> stay, great. stand by too, Gary, because I've got a bunch of Scott bon- Scotch bonnet chilies about to um, explode oh, on my tree. So um, I'll have to hand oh. some your way next time you're driving by. Country, country economy, what can I swap for that, mate? Oh, I don't know. Whatever you can find, mate. I'm about to do a lamb. There you go. That'll do. Ooh, chili lamb chops. <laughs> chili lamb. Mm, all goes together anyway, very we, nicely. We, we, we don't cross. We do a lot. <laughs> That's our <Yeah>. usual. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is typical for us. Mm-hmm. Hey, Nicola, before we let you go, is there a piece of music that really gets your mojo going? Oh, God. Um, I'm so bad with music. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what music do your plants like listening to? What do you play them Mozart? <laughs> Brahm? Oh, yeah, a bit of classical. Mm. Um, no, I, I actually love, that's not true, I do love listening to Florence and the Machine. And I also have just bought Taylor Swift's new little album, and that's very fun. Oh, and you admit that? I know, I admit it. I did admit it. (laughs) I just um, love her Shake It Off song because sometimes you get a little bit of shit thrown at you um, being online, and I just put that that song on and I just shake it off, baby. Yeah. And while we're playing some of it, have you, have you, Nicola, have you seen the um the Facebook clip of that cop driving around in the US in the states with that on, miming it? No, I haven't seen it. No, oh, I'll have to send you the link, and we'll have to paste the link on um on the show we'll notes for this show because it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> well, I think she's a really smart girl, actually, Taylor. Absolutely, she's certainly got her mojo Very, working. That's yeah. for sure. Very, mm. very sharp girl, except we've uh, we've dumped her since she <laughs> left the country and gone pop. <laughs> <laughs> Chimes in Gary Burt Whistle wearing his Stetson hat and cowboy chaps. Yeah, yeah, like it makes a difference to her. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. I'm just going to one final question, just as something that you said during the interview, uh, Nicola, which I'm very curious about. Um, your, your new husband, your husband uh, Andrew, does he share the same interest and desires around creativity and the creative spirit? Like, is that something you guys have in common? How does that work in terms of a, a household with someone who is so passionate about the creative process? Yeah, great question. Well, Andrew and I were lucky enough to meet after we'd sort of established ourselves a little bit in our lives and so I'm in my 30s and Andrew's in his early 40s and so we kind of knew knew ourselves really well before we got together and Andrew knew that he wanted to be more creative in his life but he was working actually out as a quarry project manager out west so 
not very creative job and very high stress, but he was actually looking to find somewhere that he could paint and where he would have a bit more creative expression in his life, yeah. Um, so it was kind of perfect, really, and he has always done a lot of drawing, but he hasn't done much painting. So we're having fun now in the studio, and I'm teaching him a few things about oil paints, and he's doing really, really beautiful work. Like, it's quite um, staggering for somebody who's just picked up a paintbrush and and, and started. Um but the other really nice thing for me is he is incredibly supportive. Like he um, actually raised his daughter by himself. So he's in some ways used to looking after a woman, if you know what I mean. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any male ever gets used to that, Nicola. <laughs> and it's pretty good. He's pretty amazing. He um, is there making me cups of tea like he got me set up to this morning, make sure everything's ready for our, our interview together. And um, so he plays a support role as well as jumps in beside me and actually does some painting as, at the same time when there's, when there's space for that. So it's good. It's a good arrangement. <laughs> you know, I think that's fantastic. And, and what I heard in there, Robbo, was you just imagine how much talent lies in people that has been never undiscovered because had he not met mm-hmm. Nicola, he'd be working in the quarries mm. and wouldn't have found yep. this whole, and then it, it would be sharing with the world. I mean, it's just a... Absolutely. There's a lot in there for people who are sitting, listening to this, regardless of what you do in life, there's a lot more going on than you think of in your mm. own world, isn't mm. there? Mm. Absolutely. I just want to say, like, his sense of fulfilment in being able to express that creativity just imbues his whole life, you know, like there's no way mm. that he would yeah. want to go back to that just for the paycheck, um, which I find really interesting. Mm. That's a great story to, uh, to conclude our little interview. Um, Nicola, I, I'm a great fan of your work. Where can people find out more about you? What's the best go-to for listeners to find out more about you, the stuff you do, see your work? The best place is always at nicolanewman.com and if they sign up for my updates then they'll find out all about my upcoming uh, courses so I'm about to launch a new course about painting and creativity and also I've got current courses for, for organic gardening available and lots of free content on my blog too. So it's lots of fun. I think it's a very, very uh, journey to, to go and check out. Nicola, this has been really great. Thank you so much for your time. I know how busy you are and uh, you've shared some absolute gold with us, but um, it's it's been lovely and hopefully we can keep in touch with you and do some more stuff down the track. That'll be really great. I really loved it, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it was a bunch of fun. A bunch of fun. A bunch of fun. Sure That's what this show's all about. <laughs> a bunch of fun. We should change the name of the show. Bunch of fun. To the Mojo Bunch of Fun Show. <laughs> little flowers getting together. Um, <laughs> Nicola, this has been really great. You rock, Nicola. That was great. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks. Go and listen to Taylor now. <laughs> okay, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. See you later. See you. Bye. Bye. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. So uh, after all that, Gary, you know what I'm going to do as soon as we finish here with the program? What? i got three beautiful organic eggplants hanging off the vine out the back, out the plant out the back. I'm heading out there. Masaka for dinner. <sighs> <laughs> It's got to be it, doesn't it? A little bit of extra virgin Yum. olive oil. Yeah. A bit of turmeric. That's mm. cancer fighting right there. Cancer fighting uh, right there. The only cooked, yep, and the mince. Yeah. The only, the, that's yeah. the only thing, I you guess. You need a bit of grass, grass-fed mince, mate. That, that's all good. It's got healthy fats in it. You're yeah. closing the loop.
Yeah, closing the loop. Okay, well, there you go. There you go. See? And maybe um, one of the Scotch bonnet chilies just for a bit of spice. <laughs> the kids will hate me. And a nice cold stubby, a stubby of... Uh, uh, definitely. Bone broth. <laughs> Well, it is after. Yeah, well, it is Easter after all. How else would you want to celebrate? No with, but with some bone broth. Yeah. <laughs> and then a half a dozen Easter eggs. All right, we should. Uh, it's been a great show. We should close out. Anything to go before mm. we close out, my friend? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. Do you remember uh, this song? movie that's from? Uh, I do and I can tell you why because I was mm. working at Westfield Shopping Towns and I did a movie promotion around that and I reckon I played it through oh, the it? PA system of the shopping centre right. a thousand times. So it was one of those I'm over it songs for you is it? Well no it just brings back memories. It's like that story we, we posted yeah, yeah. many uh, many episodes ago about the um, mm. research is when you play stuff as a blast from the past it actually does your mm. um, it does your system good. So that's uh, that's, that's yep. a healthy thing. Mm. Well you know why I bring it up? Why? You uh, do you remember the iconic scene where uh, Michael J Fox has travelled forward to 2015? Yep. And he uh, he jumps out of the time machine and Doc hands him a bunch of clothes. Do you remember what he puts on his feet? Uh, not really. It was uh, a pair of Nikes. Does that give you any ideas? Oh, right, with a little thing that goes, zzz, zzz, that, that little thing. Yeah, yeah, the little uh, electronic laces, <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, call them. Yeah, yeah, I remember well, that. Well, here's, here's something to, uh, to, to boost your, uh, your creativity and all that sort of stuff. Nike has actually patented the design for a pair of those shoes. And rumour has it that the release date will be September 8, 2015, the date that Marty McFly actually travels to in the movie. Wow. Yeah. So uh, so they've actually designed them. Rumour has it that they've actually made a couple of pairs as a test run and that they will be out at some stage this year. It's so, pretty really so interesting yeah. with this, Robbo. I remember seeing a movie called uh, that I also promoted in shopping centres. Gives you an idea of how old I am. But um, remember <laughs> a movie with Sylvester Stallone, Sandra Bullock called Demolition Man? I do indeed. And the technology in that show, and it was set way in the mm. future, and there was a culture living under the ground fighting with a culture living above the ground. Yep. And there was a technology that all based on voice recognition, you know, scanning yep. eyeballs, and it was high-tech stuff, mm. most of which mm. now is being done, like being able to access your iPad by putting your finger on a pad and voice activation yep. through Siri and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting that a lot of these futuristic movies, how much is going to become reality? Yeah, reality, absolutely. Isn't scary, it interesting? Isn't it? it is scary, but you just, it just goes to show that somebody can see it in the future and do it as in a mm-hmm. sci fi type thing and produce it. And then yep. some five, ten years later, it comes into reality. So, um, Mm. So here's the thing for me that interests me with this story is more than anything is from someone who works in the entertainment industry is would these shoes have been natural progression or did art influence life? Mm. That that that's the interesting thing for me, mm. you know. Did did 
did someone sitting in a in a movie studio writing a script actually influence real life? Mm. And if so, how often does that happen? You know, would we have had shoes that do themselves up if not for Back to the Future? So um, and yeah, if I think you that's cool. were Nike, would you not be sitting with the Stephen King's movie directors, producers, screenwriters mm. now to say if you were going to write a movie in ten years' time? Mm. Yeah, yeah, what that's would right. Be in it? What would you be writing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us some hints. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does art imitate life, anyway, or is life imitating, imitating art. art? That's right. And I, and I like that that angle to that story. It's I really very, do. Very I think cool, that's, actually, um, isn't it? And you just uh, yeah. And one of the things I talk about when I'm when I'm doing my speaking jobs, I was with one of the big banks this week talking about it, and unfortunately, banks stay in their lane, financial advisors stay in their lane, people who work in serial stay in their lane. But it's only when you step outside your lane and look and explore and plagiarise other industries that are unrelated mm. to yours and bring it in. Mm. This would be a great mm. example of you know really investing in it, sitting down with some of these futuristic directors, writers and screenwriters mm. down and say, if you were, I wonder what would come. It's an interesting, uh, interesting right. premise. Maybe we should um, send a few send a few people back to uh, to our episode about dreamers, Gary. That was a good show, actually. I, I've, I've bumped into so many people who have mentioned that. In fact, I was talking to a guy just during the week who was embarking on his own adventure who said how much he got from the Peter Harrison story of Fish River Roasters. Um, mm. and had put that into place with his own life. That was a good show. That was a very, very good show for people who are thinking of the future. Yeah, it's good. Absolutely. I reckon uh, that probably does it for an Easter episode, don't you? Done. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.